I love this enthusiasm we're bringing. Are we doing today. this? <laughs> is this is this even real? And we're back. <laughs> Three developers, one mission: build a business to nurture personal fulfillment. It's not stupid. It's Founder Quest. Okay, so you are listening to Founder Quest. We're couple, we're a bunch of founders. We're on a quest. Thank you for listening. We um, are back after a rather long absence. Basically, people were gone different days during the holidays, and it was just kind of a weird scheduling situation. So we just decided to to take, I guess, two months off, a month and a half, something like that. Something like that. A little yeah, more than we a normally while. do at Christmas. Yeah, a little bit more. But I've got to say, I feel a little bit refreshed. I'm ready to talk into a microphone again. I miss talking to y'all. Like yeah, same. And, yeah, I also um, miss the routine of just having this this call every week. And our, our listeners missed us. I had people reaching out to me saying, hey, is the podcast coming back? <laughs> nice. Well, that's a good sign. Yeah. I know. That's so sweet. You got to get, you got to like, you know, get all your business tips in before it's just a, a bloodbath. You got to prepare for the um, anarcho-capitalist future. <laughs> <laughs> There's uh, some hope on the horizon, right? Right. Of course. Yeah. Well, I got to say, I'm having a great day so far. I, I was able to upgrade one of our repositories from Tailwind 1 to Tailwind 2 without any snags or hiccups whatsoever. I'm wow. excited. Yeah, oh, nice. It's not every day an upgrade goes off without a hitch. Yeah, for sure. It's kind of compensation, I think, from the universe for how badly the upgrade that I'm trying to do with our Elasticsearch cluster is going. Because upgrading from Elasticsearch 6 to 7 apparently is not in the cards for me. So, yin and yang. Yeah. Oh, that's a shame. So what are we actually talking about today? We just, you know, we, it took everything we had just to make it here at 10 a.m. <laughs> on Friday together. I don't know if anybody anybody had the energy to really think beyond that. So. Yeah, I think that's a fair assumption. <laughs> Actually, I had a thought on something that we could talk about, something that's been kind of on my mind for the past few days, and that is perhaps a slight recap of 2020. As I took the break, I was thinking like goals for 2021 and things mm -hmm. I want to see and looking back at 2020 and looking at some numbers. And to be honest, I'm kind of disappointed with how 2020 went from our business standpoint. Like the growth was not great. Like we had growth, but it was definitely off from previous years. And obviously, you know, coronavirus was a factor, like no, mm -hmm. no doubt. Like we, we saw our revenue take a hit in March, April. So, I mean, there's that, but still it's like, ah, oh, it just feels kind of eh to have the worst growth year. Well, I don't know if it's the worst. I don't, I don't know. I have to go back and check previous years, I guess, but it was not a fantastic growth year and i'm just like uh, what can i do in 2021 to make that a different story so yeah. that's, that's been on my mind i was telling you the other day like i've, I've had the feeling that just like it, it just felt like kind of a stagnant year like just yeah. in general a lot of that is because just of the conditions and you know things that were out of our control but then you know also like you can only sit and like like stare at the news for so many years in a row <laughs> before you get back to work. I mean, we did a lot of work last year, like thinking back, like we, we did do a lot of work, but I also feel like, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm just looking forward to uh, doing some new stuff and getting back to yeah. innovating. Well, first of all, I have to say that like, you know, it's not nothing. I also looked at our, 
our growth numbers. And, you know, it's not, it's not nothing that we grew and you know, we had growth, right? We are making <laughs> like more money now in the midst of a global hand- pandemic than we were when it started. So that's definitely something. Sure. That's not like, that's, um, that's definitely a blessing. Like maybe we wish it was a little, it was more, but, but it's still there. I agree. Like having some growth is certainly a blessing. Like there, I mean, we had customers and obviously in the news there are a bunch of businesses going out of business and they yeah, have, we have nothing now. to complain about. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. I was, I was, I guess I was thinking of it in terms of, you know, one of the, as being three developers who started this business, three technical people, it's always been a weakness of ours on the, the growth side, like the, the getting customers in the door kind of side. It's like, yeah, we've done some things and we've, you know, we stumbled along the way, but we're not experts, right? We're not sales experts. We're not marketing experts. We're just kind of doing the best we can. And that's been great for us. You know, it's, we've got a nice, comfortable business. Things are good. Growth has been good every year. But as I was thinking through these things, and I was thinking about, well, you know, growth last year wasn't, wasn't great. And yes, there were extenuating circumstances, but looking forward, like what can I do that's different than I've done in the past, right? And uh, so one of the things that I've been thinking about, like I, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of New Year's resolutions, but I am a, a big fan of goals. And not, not that you need a, a new year to set goals, but uh, so I'm thinking like my goals for the year, my goals for the quarter and so on. I'm like, eh, you know, maybe I need to get better at this whole like figuring out growth thing. <laughs> like maybe I should really spend a fair amount of time just trying to get into what that means and doing some, I don't know. That's, that's the problem. It's like, I don't know exactly what that means for me, but the one thing that I have thought so far is maybe that means I spend a little less time on the detailed getting things done, upgrading Elasticsearch clusters, mm-hmm. and that sort of stuff, and a, and a little more time than I have in the past on, okay, how, how do we get growth in our business? Yeah. Yeah, it's easy to fall back into uh, just the comfortable routine. Like, believe it or not, like upgrading Elasticsearch clusters is comfortable for you. You know, it's it's right. like, it, yeah. I mean, it's not it's yeah. not enjoyable, but it's you know, you know, yeah, you know how to do it's, it. <laughs> it's it's the well worn worn rut in my in exactly. my experience. Yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah, I the nice I thing the about thing. the nice thing about technical tasks is that generally you know if you if you did it right. <laughs> You know, you know, if you, you succeeded and with marketing, it's like, "Uh, I don't know. Um, or, you know, marketing or sales or whatever. Um, I guess sales would be a little bit more direct feedback, but with marketing, it's like, okay, yeah, let's circle back in a year and see if uh, we can notice any change. Right. That sounds really, um, really good. Like I would love for everybody to be, um, involved in, in chasing growth and all that. One of the, a, a couple interesting stats like i just want to throw out there that i was looking at yesterday and i'm not going to throw out like absolute numbers but we all we all agree that it was okay to discuss like percentages or percentage changes and everything so i think this is interesting just to show how 2020 is has been different than previous years so what i did is we use ProfitWell, and i went in and and did their they, they let you export a csv of pretty much every you know every sort of page on their site and so i got a csv of of customer numbers, right? You know, total customers, like customers, new customers added per month, uh, you know, customers who downgrade, who upgrade, et cetera. So uh, like the majority in the change in our growth, like our growth was lower this year and the majority of that change came from having fewer upgrades and 
like I forget the exact days. Like that kind of makes sense to me because we did have this. Um, we were doing this thing. Um, I think in 2019 where we were asking people who were on who were basically using too much of too much of our service on an old plan. We're asking them to upgrade, or we're telling them <laughs> we're asking them to either choose a higher plan or we're going to choose like a lower plan for them, and they were going to lose some of their errors because they were just not profitable for us to service them. And we, you know, in 2020, we had, had done all that. And so we didn't really have that upgrade revenue stream. So that was like the main, that was maybe um, two thirds of the change. And then the, like one third of the change, roughly, was due to increased downgrades. And this really surprised me. Essentially, what I did is I just, I went into these spreadsheets, I and I just like added up the total downgrade, like total customers who downgraded in 2020, 20, total customers who downgraded in 2019, and just looked at the, the change. And like over twice as many customers downgraded in 2020 wow. as in 2019. And if you plot it on a chart by, by date, you see there's a definite uptick at March. I think that is sort of a legacy of coronavirus for us. And we also changed our plans around then. So I don't know, maybe, maybe it has something to do with that as well. Yeah, I, was, I don't know. I was going to ask, when, I can't remember, when did we release the better basic plan, the, the new and improved free plan that we have? Because that, I think, would also encourage some downgrades, wouldn't it? Like if people are like, oh, I, I have a minimal usage on this, on this plan, I can downgrade to the basic now that, now that they're doing, giving me more. Mm -hmm. I don't remember the date off the top of my head. I think it was like mid, somewhere mid-year. It kind of feels like a, a coronavirus plus the basic could be a good explanation for seeing continual downgrades. And, and like from the coronavirus perspective, I can totally get like people are like, oh, let's, we, we got to find ways to trim our costs. How can we do that? Oh, well, let's cut the amount of traffic that we're sending and errors, you know. Yeah, yeah well, and back then, um, like our main focus was retention and that's, Part of the reason that we really juiced the basic plan in the first place, right. which I still, so, I, th I don't know, I still think that it's interesting because we have a lot, I mean, that plan has been very popular, it seems, relatively. Yes, yeah, very, yeah. In yeah. fact, I was going to, I was just starting just this morning before we got on doing some analysis of uh, people who are on the basic plans, like maybe, maybe we're being a little too generous <laughs> with that yeah. plan. So I'm going to run some numbers and see, maybe we need to. Adjusting. We have, we've had a few people on Twitter, uh, mention that like we're the best value at the moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, yeah. Uh, oh, and we, I mean, we've had people in the onboarding say, Hey, your, your basic plan gives a lot away, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's good. So nobody signed up for a basic plan. Just so you know, <laughs> just like none of our listeners. So y'all want to hear some numbers? Cause mm -hmm. you, Josh mentioned that we changed our plans around to, you know, try and, and increased retention. And so I've actually got the year of year churn numbers. So year over year, um, our voluntary churn, which is people who like hit the cancel button, went down 8%. So, you know, nice. that's not bad. Yeah. Our delinquent churn um, went down 20%. Wow. Yeah. I suspect that's due to maybe use, are using profit while retained because I started mm. that. Yeah, I, I, would, I would definitely say that's a factor. That's Yeah, that's cool. so... This is total numbers of customers. It's not dollars. And let's see. And while I've got you here, I'll just, um, while I've got the spreadsheet open, our new customers, we actually, we got more new customers than we did in 2019. 
It was up by 6%, mm-hmm. which is nice. not amazing, but you know, it's, it's not I'll lower it. than it was. Yeah. yeah. And that's customers that like excluding uh, free, like basic plan users. Yeah. That's paying okay. customers. Paying customers. Cool. Yeah. And then upgrades were down 9%. And again, that's, that is users, numbers of users in dollars. Upgrades were down 30%. And then downgrades were up 130% Oof. in terms yeah. of numbers of users. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's the story of 2020 is like lots of people just trying to trim costs and, and downgrading and stuff. And uh, yeah, you know, not as many people actually sort of leaving us, which is nice. Yeah, that's, that's cool. That gives it a lot of good context. Appreciate that. Yeah. So you're saying we need yeah. to put the squeeze on everyone in, in 2021? <laughs> 2021 is the year, the year we make, we, we get blood out of that turnip. What we, um, what we need to do is send out holiday gifts to all of our customers that is just like a case full of, you know, whiskey or something. Get them all smashed. And so they make really bad coding errors and then they deploy all that stuff and create a bunch more traffic. And so they have to upgrade. That, that's what we got to do. Just do that all year. It's a shame that Trump lost because I think there might have been a place for you in his new administration. (laughs) (laughs) I just checked the Stripe dashboard and our basic plan was created on May 19th, 2020. Okay, good. My my brain works. So here's an interesting little tidbit. Even though our numbers of new customers were up by 6%, okay, our growth in new customers was up by 6%, not new, like our, our customers weren't up by 6%, but the growth was up 6%. The growth in revenue from new customers was down 26%. Hmm. And yeah, and so that, that might be due to us lowering our, our plans, and yeah. our, our, our prices for our plans. Or, I mean, yep. that makes sense that that's how that would work, I guess. Yeah, yeah we're going to gonna have to knuckle down. Well, we did, we did warn people. When we launched the basic plan and we announced it on the podcast, we did warn people that you better get it while the getting's good. Oh yeah, you know, stick around, right? That still stands. Like, go get it that, now. Totally. Yeah. So we're we're now coming back and we're doing the analysis, and lo and behold, sure enough, having a very generous free plan does reduce the the growth revenues numbers. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, at the same, like in our uh, defense, it also did what we set out to do, which was kept, you know increased retention. Hopefully, yep. I mean, I guess we don't know because people stayed, but. I have a feeling that it increased retention somewhat, like some of the stuff and, and lowering our prices in general. Yeah, that's true. And one interesting thing about this is that the free plan didn't cause a, um, like the, the, the better free plan didn't cause an overall decrease in the number of paid signups that we got. I mean, nice. yeah, you could, you could argue that we would have gotten more paid signups had we had a less generous free plan. Right. But you know, when I was looking earlier at um, the conversion rates of the different plans, like conversion rate didn't really, it didn't really change when we introduced a new, um, the new free plan, which is, you know, that's good to know. Yeah. And we got, we're getting a lot more um, free signups than we used to with our, um, yeah. with our old free plan. Yeah. And that was the other goal, right? To just get more acquisition, get more people using Honey Badger and trying it out. Yeah. Yeah. With the, with the hopes that they will eventually get really sloppy in their programming and have to upgrade. <laughs> <laughs> Or, you know, work with more people or, yeah, yeah, you know, or their business grows and some companies, they, they build products or, or product families around the, the notion that they need to like have like cyclical kind of companies. Like if I'm a lawnmower manufacturer, 
obviously my sales are going to go down in the winter, right? So I should mm -hmm. also build snowblowers, right? To kind of even out the thing. So I think what we need is some sort of product that rewards good developers, right? Who have code you know, that is not throwing a bunch of errors. I, I don't know what that product would be, but, you know, to kind of balance out that we got the, we got the ones that generate a lot of errors and they got the apps that are really pristine. So we need that, we need that product to kind of balance out our, our product offering there. I mean, that's a super simple deal. So what we do is we just modify our existing um, Honey Badger client and just have it like count the error rate. And if the error rate is low, it just does a webhook request or does an API request or API. And we send people a cookie bouquet. Yeah, I like that. Or maybe it's a, a it's sends an email to their boss saying, look how awesome I am. <laughs> from, from their own email account. <laughs> <laughs> Totally. <laughs> Just a time saver. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, we totally should have that. They're like bragging rights. Uh, we could do that in our current app, right? Like, well, that's, uh, uh, that's a little bit like the gamification stuff we've been talking about. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. But you can't reveal the secrets. Yeah, so we, won't, got, we, got, we won't reveal the, uh, the details. That's yeah. just a little tease. A little tease. Oh. Yeah. I don't know if I should like um, talk. About, I don't even know what, what this is. And I don't know if I should keep going. because I don't want to give away secrets. I don't know. <laughs> I was just going to say it would be fun um, to have like an option for like the Slack, the Slack notifier, um, where if like the error rate is like really low, we can post like a good job. Good job, oh, everybody. Yeah. To oh, Slack. I like that. I really like yeah. that. We totally we should do. do that. Yeah, we totally should do that. Let's just add that. To that. Yeah, we could we could have a new kind of event. Like instead of the you've exceeded the threshold event, we could have a your threshold is zero or something. Like, yeah, I don't the name for it, but you're so awesome. And like, yeah, you'd, it's yeah. You don't want it to be message. like semi ran like semi random and not like it's not going to happen like on a regular basis. Like your errors yeah. were zero this week, but like if it was just like a, a nice little surprise that happens like once or or twice, you know, in their life cycle, that'd be pretty cool. That would be cool. That's a really I, nice, that's, that's a nice touch. And also like that does, that does kind of, uh, if like adding little features like that, that like reach out in between, like if things are quiet, because like, it's easy to forget that you have honey badger. Mm -hmm. If you're not receiving error notifications, I don't know if it's a good or a bad thing to remind them that we're, <laughs> well, <laughs> we're not delivering also, any value at the moment. <laughs> well, there's, there's also the, the wondering, like, uh, there's, there's forgetting. And then there's also the wondering, like, is it still working? Like, right. it's been kind of quiet. Like, is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? And it kind of get that mm -hmm. anxiety, you know? So, uh, yeah, maybe it could be if there's a quiet period for a few days, whatever. It's like, oh, we're still here. Nope, your app is yeah. still up. It's like, no, it's just great. You know? Well, and we do have the, uh, the digests, which don't, yeah. I think we don't send them though when there's no, when there is no traffic, I'm pretty sure. Do we send one that just says there were no errors this week? We may, I, I can't remember now. I can't remember now either. Yeah. I, can't, I don't think I've gone a week without no errors. We'll have to look at that. <laughs> well, I just hope that um, that we can like, I hope the Slack lets you post little like animated uh, GIFs no, I like, mean, through their API. Yeah, the GIFI inter integration does that. So. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, great. We, it's Ooh. speaking of like in our, in our household, you know, we have two, we have two teenagers and they have opposite views on how you're supposed to pronounce GIF. And it, oh. it causes it causes some heated arguments around the dinner table. Yeah, <laughs> in the same household, that's that's rough. Yeah, at least it's not you know Vim versus Emacs. <laughs> <laughs> I 
yeah, my take on it is that I just I just switch randomly, but whichever one I use, I um, just fight to the death that it is correct. <laughs> right, that's what you got to do. It's those, it's those opinions strongly held. Right? So you get to have oh, a, yeah. <laughs> an argument every day. <laughs> so back to back to the growth thing. So I was you know just thinking about this. I'm like, okay, what are ways you can get growth? Obviously, you can do more advertising, get more people in the door, but you can also do which we don't do. You could also do outbound, right? You could mm -hmm. have a direct sales force or a salesperson or some sort of thing that effectively is sales. And I was wondering, okay, yeah, that's cool. But Mike, I hate getting emails from people like, you should buy my thing, right? And it's like, I don't care about your thing. And so my question is, how do you do outbound sales? That's not really annoying. That's, that's kind of where I'm stumped. So you guys have answers? <laughs> you can help me out here? <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah. Well, one thing just to always remember is that like everyone is not you. So, I mean, I'm, I think it's a pretty safe assumption that like most people don't like just cold sales emails, but I mean, like they obviously work or people wouldn't be doing them for like since right. the invention of email. So yeah, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. I do have to admit there, there I do get the occasional email that's blind and I'm like, Oh yeah, that might be something I should check out. Yeah. But it's, it's rare. Out of the few that I've, that have caught my attention, it's usually someone that's like doing something different, like from the other salespeople that are emailing me. And if it's like, if it's, you know, like whimsical or, or they're actually like giving me some, some sort of value immediately, I don't have any examples of that, but it's just a vague thought that like that, that may be one way is to like, try to try to be unique in the way that you're uh, reaching out to people or maybe be like self-aware even about how this, you know, I, I don't know how you do that, but. So you you're know. recommending the, the purple cow approach. Yeah. 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 Basically. Yeah, that's good. I like it. Start with I'm like a self-deprecating um, comment, you know? <laughs> right. Right. I'm wondering if our current pricing model, like would support outbound sales. It takes a certain amount of, of, of time and effort to do a sale. And I'm just like wondering at what point, like what does our price need to be to have positive ROI? Yeah. Well, I, on that, I read, this isn't an objection. I'm just, no, I'm yeah, just wondering totally. out loud. It just so happens. I read a blog post the other day that answers that question. Jason Lemkin, Saster fame. He addressed this question this past week. I think it was in a blog post and we can link it up in the show notes, but basically the TLDR is, yeah, you could get away with less, but two ninety nine per month is really the floor for having a, a, a honest to goodness outbound sales organization that's that works. That's uh, helpful. Yeah, and like we totally have customers who are paying us more than two ninety nine a month. So if you find them via sales, then that could work, right? Of course, the majority of our customers are spending. I would say, I think the majority of our customers are spending less than that. So we wouldn't want to find them. Yeah. <laughs> so we'd have to do some segmentation work and find out how to really get the customers that we want to into that kind of pipeline. But yeah, it work. seems like you'd, you'd still be going after more like the medium to enterprise people. Right. And when you, as I started to think about this, you start going down that path and it's like, well, at the same time, we don't really want to go exactly the same path that our big competitors are going. We won't want to try and do the same game plan that Sentry's doing, right? Because obviously they have more resources than we do. And so that's just not going to work. So yeah, you can't say, well, I'm just going to do the enterprise call down playbook because that's 
presumably what Sentry is doing right now. I had kind of a thought based on that recently, just because Sentry is changing so much. And it seems like since they're such, they're like the large player in the air tracking market, it seems like there are people out there that are the, the small to medium people that are being alienated a little bit by some of the changes that they're making. And also that they're, they're kind of departing from just straight error tracking and going into the, um, like the APM performance monitoring space and really like obviously targeting more enterprise people. And I think we heard recently, even like some people were complaining that they had like made their free plan even, even less useful to them. And that's a reason some people were switching recently. So it makes me wonder, like, since that has always been our target audience anyway, maybe there's an opportunity there for us to like double down on the smaller accounts, which is kind of what we're good at capturing in the first place. And uh, both via like capturing the free users, but also like figuring out how to convert them and, and, you know, capture more of the mid paying customers as well, who maybe just don't want another new relic or soon to be new, new relic, you know? Right. The good news is the, the blog has done a great job of getting those kind of customers in the door. Like, I guess it was Ben Finley's idea. I can't remember whose idea it was to have the onboarding survey that we have as part of our onboarding process where any, any new customer who signs up, they're asked like, well, any thoughts for us or anything you want to tell us when, as you get started? That has been a gold mine of information. Like hearing people say, oh, you know, I saw this blog post that such and such wrote and I thought, decided to check you out. Or like that tidbit about Sentry changing their free plan. Like that came in. We yeah, got a lot of people through the onboarding. Yeah. A lot of people fill that out. That reminds me, I was, I was meaning to go and do a report of all those comments. Like everybody who left a comment and like what action did they perform? Are they a paying customer now? Like what happened to them? Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. Thank you for mentioning the blog. Like that was a big thing I did in 2020. And yeah, overall, I think like I'm, I'm pretty happy with how it's going. Like all, uh, I was working up some, I'm, I'm sort of still in the middle of working up a, a sort of end of year analysis, like what do I want to change going forward and stuff like that. But overall, like we produced a bunch of blog posts. We got a bunch of authors working with us. We know that some of those are leading to conversions. I have a nice little chart of blog post traffic. Our blog post traffic correlates, it correlates extremely well with our plans page traffic. And our plans page traffic correlates pretty well with our signups. And so, you know, you, you can overlay blog post traffic with our signups and you can kind of see how they, how the, the curves sort of follow each other. And it's a little bit hard to see because there's a lot of noise and stuff. And it may just be completely in my imagination. Hopefully not. I, I do have a vest, vested interest, <laughs> but like, yeah, I'll, I'll share those charts with, with, um, with you two later. And yeah, so what I am sort of currently, you know, working on is sort of figuring out like what direction we want to go in the future with a blog. Because this year, basically, I was, I was just trying to get this system up and running. Like I wanted to have a post every week. I wanted to have people, you know, other pe people other than me writing them and essentially have this, this process that is kind of mechanical and spits out, you know, content for our blog. And so I think I've got that working pretty well. Overall, I, it's caused our sort of year-over-year -year traffic to increase by, I don't know, I think it was like 40 to 60%, depending on like what month you look at it. And 
Yeah. So going forward, it's like, okay, now which, which topics performed really well for us? And how does that, how does that correspond with the people who are actually signing up? Like, I don't know. It's, I had, I asked um, Ben Finley to run a report of like how much traffic each blog post got. And it's a little bit, I don't know. I'm a little bit torn because like our most, the most traffic that any of our blog posts got was an article about Go. <laughs> and um, I shared this other report with y'all um, earlier where basically Go users account for like no growth. <laughs> like we don't have a lot of Go users. And so I don't know if like, does this, is this an opportunity for us to like target Go users or is this, is this just a red herring, you know? Yeah. So I, and is Go even sort of like amenable to the Honey Badger way of doing errors? Are people using Go more likely to want an APM type solution? That's a good thing we have you here to figure all that out for us. So. <laughs> yeah. These, these are the hard problems to solve. Hard problems, yes. One thing to keep in mind is that, I mean, Go users, some Go users do use Ruby. A lot of Go users are using multiple languages, I think, too. Or a lot of developers from other, in other uh, ecosystems will use Go as kind of a utility, it seems, I think, like in some cases. Yeah, um, kind of like, So yeah. it may be like a, like a gateway kind of, you know, like it's not like they're going to sign up for Go necessarily, but maybe Go brings them to the blog. Yeah, that's true. It's just, I don't know. Yeah. I think it's a matter of, um, it's a matter of percentages, right? Because like all users aren't Go users. Yeah. It's like, if it, is it 5%? So then like you multiply that traffic by 5% and is that greater or less than just our straight Ruby articles mm -hmm. where 100% of those readers are Ruby users. One thing that I'm intrigued by um, going forward is like the second if you ignore if you ignore JavaScript, um, which I do if I can, our second biggest language is PHP, and we don't really have we haven't published any PHP content on our blog. So I'm curious, like if we we're able to do more PHP, if that might be a, an easy source of sort of people who could be customers who we are not targeting. Yeah, that that would definitely be worth trying, trying some experiments around. We've done yeah, some uh, advertising. Um, in PHP land, um, which accounts for yeah. probably some of the users that we have. I'm sure it accounts for it. Yeah. I'm sure that like, I'm pretty sure that PHP, like the reason it's, um, our second biggest language is simply because like, that's the other language that we put like a sustained, like marketing push behind. Mm -hmm. And even though that marketing push isn't really there anymore, it was sort of a, a one-time thing. It has continued to sort of pay off. And we, we still are. We do a little. Yeah, we do a little. We still engage with it, like we did Laracon EU sponsorship. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so uh, that's coming up, I guess. Uh, so yeah, okay. here and there. But yeah, de definitely not the concerted effort we did in that, that one quarter where we really pushed it. Yeah. Yeah, so if you're listening to this, if you're a PHP developer who wants to write a blog post and get paid a substantial amount of money for it, go to honeybadger.io forward slash blog and look for the Write For Us link and it'll have all the instructions. It... That page doesn't really mention PHP, but it will soon. Speaking of spending money on authors, which I think has been fantastic, but it made me think, have we looked at our cost to acquire a customer? Like, have we looked at all of our expenses for blog and ads and 
podcasts, et cetera, then divided that by the number of new customers that came in this year and see what that number is. I haven't done it. I, I haven't done it either. We should, we should do that. Okay. Yeah, I'm just we'll do it live. We can um, we'll do it right now. Do it right now. <laughs> you can see the we'll get, our readers get to, to see the fascinating process of like um, creating spreadsheets. <laughs> but no, I think that's that. I don't know why I hadn't thought of doing this before, but it seems like that's we should really do that. Like, hey, we because we, we have a we have a set budget, right? We've determined a blog budget. We determined a overall marketing budget, and we should say, hey, what you know, is our, is our are we getting the ROI? Are we getting some benefit out of? all this money we're spending. Yeah. That's, um, you know, it's probably because I didn't get it, never got an MBA or something, but like <laughs> occasionally I will stumble across something and I'll just be like, why have I not been doing this for the past 10 years? Right. For example, I did a deep dive while we were mostly gone on the podcast into our conversion rate. And our conversion rate has always been sort of like, if you just look at our global conversion rate, it's always been a little bit suspiciously low. It's like, it, you know, if you believe it, it's like, okay, we've got just tons of people just signing up and then immediately really not doing anything. And so I was just like, okay, like what happens if we do conversion rate by country? And then like suddenly the fog clears and everything makes sense. And it turns out that sort of through this, this, you know, there's a lot more steps involved, but basically, you know, figuring out like um, our conversion rate significantly skewed by people who are pen testers, people who are probably hackers, people, you know, people signing up for an account, trying to, you know, enter in a quick like SQL injection into some form and then, and then ditching. And so if you look at conversion and, and most of those people are coming to us, not all, but most of them are coming to us from Southeast Asia. So we have wonderful customers in Southeast Asia, and I'm not meaning to denigrate anyone from there. I'm just saying that if we exclude that, those numbers from um, our conversion rate, it's like, okay, suddenly things make a little bit more sense in terms of, um, in terms of our effort. And it turns out that like, we actually have a pretty good conversion rate, especially among Rubyists. Like, Essentially, if you're a Rubyist and you sign up for a honey badger for a honey badger trial, there's like a fifty percent chance that you're going to become a paid customer, which is like pretty awesome, I think. So good work, everyone. Yeah, that was an awesome analysis that you did. Thank you. And, th and that makes me think that when we do that that customer acquisition cost math, we should cut out, <laughs> you know, the the numbers of uh, people that are showing up from just doing pen testing and going away after a day. <laughs> Yeah, so it's it's always weird. Like I um, I did this sort of deep dive into the spreadsheets. I've sort of continued that a little bit in in this blog end of the year review. But now it's sort of ma sort of a matter of like, okay, now what do we actually like? What do I actually do based on this knowledge? Yeah, it's always a little bit a little bit harder. I mean, there's some things that seem to be clear, but I guess it's just a process of getting the train moving, right? It takes a little time yeah. to get up to speed. Yeah. Yeah. So I think one, one of the questions that came out of that, you know, what do we do with that information is, okay, so maybe we should double down on talking to Ruby folk, you know, like every, every Ruby podcast should have a honey badger ad embedded in it. Right. Because we know that they convert really well. Yeah. And like, or is the better answer to like, okay, well, we need to juice the numbers on our other languages. So maybe we need to double down on everything PHP so we can get, you know, them to a higher number. Yeah. So or both. So even or or both. Yeah. Like, or all. Uh, yeah. yeah. So even even with good data, you still have to go with, okay, now 
figure that out. What it, that's what I love about biz, running a business. Like, oh, who knows? Like, no one, no one can give you that answer until you actually try some stuff and spend some yeah. money and time and do some experiments. Well, if we if we got that number of what it costs to acquire a, cu- a customer, which yeah, we should know. That makes it easy to spend money, you know. So you just gave me a thought. Yeah, if we have the cost to acquire a Ruby customer versus the cost to acquire a PHP customer, then we know how much money to spend on a Ruby oh, app yeah. versus a PHP. Oh app, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah, segmenting for the win. Yeah, that's always been the hard thing when you're talking about like specific marketing efforts. That's been always the hard thing for us is like figuring like what that number is. I mean, we've we've been chasing that number for for our entire existence. Here, here's a good goal for me is to get, um, let's grow Honey Badger big enough where I can just do like spreadsheets and like data analysis full time. Cause I, I just love it. I don't know why it just makes me happy. Yeah, totally. I'm down with that. It's a good goal. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just tell everybody else like what to do. Right. <laughs> Or not even that, because I don't want the responsibility. I just, <laughs> I'll just feel like if you do this, you have a 50% chance of success. So you're saying you, you want to start a lucrative live streaming career where you uh, live stream yourself uh, working on spreadsheets? No, I, I'm just saying I, I want to be the, um, I, I just want to be Honey Badger's like in-house business consultant. <laughs> I was, yeah. I was about to say, it sounds like you want to become a McKinsey consultant. <laughs> like I've, I've poured over all the data and here's what you should do. Good luck with that. <laughs> I'm down. That's yeah. what they do, right? Yeah. You know, when I do that for us, like it's, uh, it's not, I don't feel like a terrible person. Like I don't <laughs> feel like I'm making the world a worse place. Well, I think overall 2020 was a good year. I mean, obviously it was a really bad year, but it was also a good year. And we had, uh, like, like Josh said, we got a lot of good things done and, uh, we didn't die. We didn't go out. We of learned a lot about ourselves. I would say, we learned? We, did we? I think, well, I mean, I think like just as a company, like, I feel like oh. I learned a lot about myself in 2020 and, and as you know, about the business and like before 2020, I didn't know how our business would respond to a crisis of that magnitude. <laughs> And now I do, you know, I mean, like every crisis is different, obviously, like the next one could wipe us out, but, um, <laughs> yeah. I just, yeah, I, I don't know. I feel, I feel like we weathered a pretty, pretty big storm and maybe feel, I don't know. I feel fairly confident about the future still. So it's nice. Uh, there've been some lows, but I always, I think it's important to come back to that, like optimistic stance on the future. That's part of like as an entrepreneur, um, that's kind of what keeps you going. So I'm always looking for that. That's awesome. Yeah. I think 2020 has definitely contained a lot of opportunity for personal growth. <laughs> it's like, what is understatement of, <laughs> of the year? It's like another growth opportunity. <laughs> Yay. So we're going to grow some more. Yay. <laughs> think we'll grow. Do you think we'll grow some more in a 2021? <laughs> yeah probably probably (sighs) well um it's you know i think we did okay given that we were um out of practice and would you all like to wrap it up yeah sure thank you for listening to founder quest just so you know like um when i draw a like a um word out like that it's not because i'm trying to sound like an announcer (laughs) it's because i'm literally trying to figure out what word comes next so just That's probably why all radio personalities do it. Anyway, 
If you would like to write for us, go to honeybadger.io forward slash blog. We're looking for PHP people. Um, we've got a link to a um, write for us page on there. And yeah, if you want to give us a review on iTunes, that's great. And if not, that's cool too. We love you anyway. And um, we hope that you all are having an okay time as much as possible. Good luck. Happy New Year. <laughs> Happy, Happy New, New Year. Year. Happy New May God have mercy on your souls. <laughs> Okay, bye. See y'all. Bye. Founder Quest is a weekly podcast by the founders of Honey Badger. Zero instrumentation, 360 degree coverage of errors, outages, and service degradations for your web apps. If you have a web app, you need it. Available at honeybadger.io. Want more from the founders? Go to founderquestpodcast.com. That's one word, where you can access our huge back catalog of episodes. FounderQuest is available on iTunes, Spotify, and other purveyors of fine podcasts. We'll see you next week.